welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series three and episode six, where we look at the formal calling of the first disciples. And the passage we're going to study shortly is in Luke chapter five. We're going to look at Luke five and the first 11 verses. But before we get to that, let's just remind ourselves of what's actually happened in this remarkable period of Jesus' life where he's established himself um, in Galilee. He started his public ministry. It's been pretty dramatic. And if you've been following the last few episodes, you'll uh, remember some of the dramatic things that have happened. Having come back to Galilee after his baptism and all the events surrounding it, he started preaching, teaching, healing, um, casting out evil spirits and uh, creating a, a considerable sensation um, amongst the residents of Galilee. A particularly significant incident was his return to Nazareth, which we looked at in uh, episode three of this series, when he returned to his hometown and uh, spoke in the synagogue and identified Isaiah 61, the first three verses, as a passage which prophesied about his ministry. We discussed all that in detail in episode three. But he identified his ministry as involving preaching, releasing people from their sins, um, healing sicknesses, uh, driving out evil power, and bringing um, relief to those who were in economic need, bringing help to the poor through his ministry and the ministry of his followers. So that was the so-called Nazareth Manifesto, which we looked at. And then in the next episode, we noticed that probably a week later on a Sabbath in Capernaum, which was his uh, new home and new base, uh, Jesus uh, conducted a couple of remarkable miracles, uh, one in the synagogue where he um, cast a demon, an impure spirit out of a man, and then he raised Simon Peter's mother-in-law from a severe fever so she could get up straight away. Then loads of people came after sunset and there were numerous miracles. So that was um, a very dramatic event which we saw in episode four. Then in the last episode, episode five, we discovered something very interesting. Having established himself at Capernaum and had a very successful uh, ministry there, uh, he decided after prayer that he wasn't going to stay in one place, but he was going to travel around. And so Jesus becomes itinerant, traveling from place to place throughout Galilee. And then, uh, as we saw in the last episode, in uh, Matthew 4, 23 to 25, um, describing this period of time, we notice for the first time that um, crowds of people are coming to him from long distances, from outside Galilee. So already he's attracting a huge amount of interest uh, from people far and wide. And I mentioned before that some of the journeys taken by people to come and hear him preach and receive his prayer for healing um, could have been up to 150 kilometres, which is a very long distance if you're on foot or you're on a camel or riding on another animal, and particularly if you're sick or you're bringing somebody who is sick. And so 
This is the series of events that immediately precedes um, the story we're going to talk about today. Now, one thing that isn't yet clear in Jesus's ministry, which begins to clarify in this episode, is concerning his followers. Who's following him? What does it mean to be his follower or his disciple, to use the, the New Testament word, someone who's being taught by Jesus? We've already encountered one or two people who've decided to follow Jesus and uh, that took place not in Galilee, but down by the River Jordan when Jesus was being baptised much further south. So uh, we're going to see how that process develops. But by way of introduction, let me just uh, mention two people out of those who are already described by John as following Jesus. Uh, so just to go back a little bit in the story, uh, John describes uh, quite a few things that happened around the time of Jesus being baptised um, in a place called uh, Bethany beyond the Jordan, uh, much further south, as I mentioned. And what John points out is that um, John the Baptist had uh, his own followers and disciples and uh, when Jesus came and started relating to John, got baptised, spent some time in that area, some of them began to transfer their loyalty to Jesus, realising that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. Two of those people who are prominent in our story today are brothers, Peter and Andrew, or Simon Peter to give him his full name, Simon Peter and Andrew. They're brothers, they're fishermen, and they come from Capernaum area, which we've mentioned as Jesus's um, headquarters and his base. And so they've already decided in general to follow Jesus. They're already interested. They're already um, probably traveling with him from time to time, but they are still doing their jobs. They're still fishing. And there's uh, a number of others who've been described as followers of Jesus by John. But now something more specific happens, and that following of Jesus takes a more specific form. And so we see the beginning of the development of the inner circle of disciples who then became the apostles later on. And this is what we're going to describe uh, to you today. So I'm going to read the text uh, which is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. There are parallel passages in Matthew and Mark, but Luke tells the account much more fully than the others. Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water 
and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and follows him. This is a really fascinating incident. Jesus at the height of his popularity is drawing crowds wherever he goes. He's probably somewhere near Capernaum on the shore and he's teaching people, crowds are gathering. And a very familiar sight is taking place alongside this big crowd and that's a, a typical fishing scene. As we've mentioned already, the Sea of Galilee was a place of immense capacity in terms of fishing. A freshwater lake in the middle of Galilee uh, with abundant stocks of fish. And so all the villages nearby had uh, a small fishing industry and fishermen going out on the lake. Characteristically, uh, they would fish at night very often hoping for a better catch in the circumstances of the night. And this is exactly what had happened here. We've got Simon, Peter and Andrew, and we've got James and John. They're in partnership. They've got separate boats. They've been out together fishing the previous night, and it's been a particularly unsuccessful night. Now, that's what happens in fishing. Sometimes you have more success than others. But this one hadn't been a good night. And so they pulled their boats up and they're attending to their nets, cleaning them, checking them, um, as fishermen always do. So this was the circumstance in which Jesus started relating to them. And uh, the crowd was pushing, pressing him. So he came up with this idea that he would speak to the crowd from Simon Peter's boat. Perhaps there was an inlet so that he could um, have access to the crowds. There are a few inlets in that area that suggest um, that that may have been what had happened. But anyway, the crowd um, was happy to listen to Jesus and Simon Peter allowed him to use his boat, somewhat interrupting the process of washing their nets uh, and everything else because the crowd was getting in the way and so on. 
So you can imagine some of the emotions that Simon Peter may have felt. He was very drawn to Jesus. Remember, he'd already decided to follow him. He would have been familiar with what Jesus's ministry had meant in Capernaum. He would have heard about what Jesus had done in other villages. So he's very positive towards Jesus, and yet he's challenged by what happens here, because Jesus not only borrows his boat, which was an inconvenience, but then suggests to him something completely uh, uh, problematical for Simon Peter. He says, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Well, fishermen in the morning, having been up all night, the first thing they're thinking of is sleep. They're resting, they want to go home, they want to get to their beds over there in Capernaum. If they go out and, and try and get another catch of fish, then they've got hours and hours on the water and not enough rest. So Peter wasn't in a particularly good mood, I would imagine, uh, when faced with this request. And there's a kind of ambivalence in his answer because he's got two things going on in his mind. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. That's the negative part. Why should it be any difference in the morning, particularly as night fishing is usually better than daytime fishing anyway? But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So there's the faith element. There's the, the process of beginning to trust Jesus. Now, what happened next really can't be explained in any natural way. Why should there be such an enormous number of fish that they threaten to break the nets of the, of the boat when in exactly the same area the night before there was almost nothing. Anyway, there was an enormous catch of fish and so Simon, Peter and, and Andrew called to their partners to help them um, and even with another boat alongside, um, there were so many fish they could hardly take them on board. I imagine this had never ever happened to Peter before. Their boats were big enough for any type of catch of fish that they were likely to have because they had generations of experience on the lake. They knew what to expect. This was unexpected. This exceeded any previous experience but in uh, circumstances where you think well why should this happen? There was nothing special about the circumstances. So it was a very dramatic event and it was a very dramatic uh, moment for Peter that made him really think uh, more about who Jesus was. And he felt so ashamed of his hesitation to have to go out into the, into the waters again. He said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He was falling down on his knees at Jesus' feet. He was humbling himself and saying, Lord, I, I just can't cope with this. I can't understand um, how you can show me this and how I could be so uh, ambivalent about what you were saying, how I, I didn't actually really believe that what you said would work. He and all the others were astonished. They, they'd never experienced anything quite like it. So that's the event. And Jesus uses the event to imprint on the minds of uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, something very fundamental about what was going to happen to them, because he was just about to call them away from fishing to another form of 
what we might call fishing. And the statement in uh, Luke 5 and verse 10 uh, is the one that is really important. Don't be afraid from now on, you'll fish for people. Now, Matthew 4, verse 19, a parallel passage, which doesn't tell this story in so much detail, does give a slightly fuller version of this statement. So I'm going to take it from Matthew 4, verse 19, which has three parts of the statement, which I want to just comment on um, very briefly. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. So here is Jesus' very specific call to them. First of all, follow me. That means a literal following of him. At this particular point in his ministry, as I've stated in previous episodes and at the beginning of this episode, he's traveling around from place to place. So following Jesus means moving around from place to place. He wasn't just based in Capernaum where they could go fishing part of the time, be with him for a bit of the time. No, he was on the move, going a long way away from the lake. So he's calling them to give up their employment and security to be with him and to follow him. That's the first thing. And then secondly, and I will send you out. So you follow me and then later on, I'm going to send you out as my representatives. In fact, Jesus later on called them apostles and the word apostle means someone who is sent out on behalf of somebody else, rather like an ambassador in a government represents somebody else. They're sent out to represent them in another country. I will send you out to fish for people. You can fish in the lake and you can catch fish. But now you're going to fish for people so that you're going to... Um, speak to them, reach them in such a way they're going to come into my kingdom. That's the calling, the mission to preach the gospel. It's a wonderful saying, come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. Verse 11 of Luke 5 uh, and we find the final statement. So they pulled up their boats on shore left everything and followed him. What a definitive statement. Now, they still owned the boats. They could still come back in future. In fact, we've, we know an incident when they did during the time of uh, Jesus' resurrection. We'll come to that much later on. But in all practical terms, they've given up fishing in order to be with Jesus. Now, someone else in the families might be taking over the business, of course. We don't know the details. But Peter, Andrew, James and John have given up their profession of fishing for the time being and they're with Jesus. This is a really, really dramatic moment and it shows Jesus building up some momentum in his mission. He's not only going out and traveling to all sorts of different places, he's now taking people with him in a formal way, saying, come with me, I'm going to send you out in due course and you're going to fish for people. You're going to bring them 
into the kingdom. So a few reflections on this uh, remarkable story. First of all, it tells us something significant about the very large extent of the harvest of the gospel. You see, Peter and Andrew and James and John would always have in their minds the picture of their own boats overflowing with fish. Probably so many fish that they were just falling over the edge of the boat. And they probably had to push some of the fish over the edge of the boat to prevent it actually sinking. So many fish they'd never seen so many before. And Jesus said, you're going to fish for people. And the implication is many of those people will come to faith. Now, if we move forward about three years from this moment to the day of Pentecost described in Acts chapter two, the very same Peter, who's the subject of this story, is the first preacher on the day of Pentecost when the spirit came down on the apostles and their associates and they started speaking in tongues and praising God and there was a miraculous sense of God being there. There was a sense of a wind uh, and his power, a crowd gathered and the very, very first person to preach the Christian message after Jesus had been raised from the dead was Peter. And so he preached. And uh, you can look in Acts 2 to find the details of what he preached. But the interesting thing is, that at the end of his sermon, those listening were cut to the hearts, they were convicted, they, they wanted to respond and they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter encouraged them to repent and to believe in Christ, to be baptised and to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's said that over 3,000 were added to the church on a single day. And then the numbers uh, are, remain very large um, for for the Jerusalem church that followed in the subsequent chapters. So Peter's fishing for men. Jesus has been raised from the dead and a very large number of people come into the church on its very first day of real existence when the Spirit came down and filled the apostles and their associates. And that process has gone on ever since. So here we are in the 21st century, and can I suggest to you, this process is still going on today. There are many countries in the world where people are believing in Jesus in large numbers, and those numbers are growing. That might be your country. And so I want you to be encouraged, because what Jesus called Peter to do becomes the calling of the church in general, and many people who followed Peter and the apostles. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, my second reflection here is there are two types of calling that uh, Jesus makes upon us. One is to become disciples, to follow him and learn from him and to grow in maturity as believers. Now, that's the calling of every single person. This happened to Peter and Andrew down by the River Jordan, as described in John chapter 1. They were already disciples of Jesus in that general sense. But here we have a discipleship related to leadership training. Some of the people uh, listening to this will be called to Christian leadership in one form or another, maybe in your community, in your family, or in or through your local church. 
And this is the second type of calling. Peter and Andrew were already disciples following Jesus, but now they're called to serve him in a particular way. Second thing I want to say uh, about this is that there is a principle of teamwork developing here. Teamwork is essential to the Christian church. Every single aspect of the Christian church should be affected and functioning through teams of one sort or another. Local churches should be led by teams of pastors or elders or ministers, according to the New Testament. The Holy Trinity of God is, in, you, you might call it a team of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And Jesus forms a team here. This is the beginning stage of him forming a team. Because Peter, James and John in particular would be his inner circle, his core team in his group of 12. They would be uh, the inner circle and occasionally he took Peter, James and John, three of the four mentioned here, away with him on his own. He trained them, he taught them, he spent time with them and he gave Peter the primary responsibility of coordinating the work of the apostles later on. So Jesus is building a team. This is a step towards building a team. You and I are called to be part of a team. This project is not about one person or about me, it's about a team of us working together to bring this material to serve you. So teamwork is important. And Jesus is leading these four, Peter, Andrew, James and John, on a leadership training program, which has a variety of different ingredients. There's some formal teaching, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll study in later episodes. So there's some formal teaching, but also they spend a lot of time watching Jesus perform miracles and just learning from him. Also, they shared life together. It was an informal setting of being on the road together and they learned things as they went along. For example, Here's something that happened in Luke 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So they saw Jesus praying and they said, teach us. We want to pray like you. We want to learn how to pray. Sometimes they participated in Jesus' ministry. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? For example, in Matthew 14, where Jesus says, to them, you give them something to eat. All these people are gathering, they need food, there isn't enough food available. And he said, you give them something to eat. So they gathered five loaves and two fishes and started distributing them. So he calls them to participate in his ministry and then he sends them out. We see that in Matthew 10, Luke 9. We'll come to uh, those passages in due course. So let me now complete this episode by one final comment. Has Jesus Christ called you to do something particular for him? These four men, Peter, Andrew, James and John, at this point in their lives were called to do something particular for Jesus. I've described it to you. It was a moment of decision. It was a moment of calling. Now, my conviction is that almost every Christian has an inner sense of calling to serve God in a particular way. 
Sometimes we enact that very quickly and we get on with it. Sometimes we don't quite know how we can do that. And sometimes there's a time gap between the calling and the reality. But what I'd like to invite you to do as we bring this episode to conclusion is to go back and think, what am I called to do or to be for Christ? What has he called me to do particularly? What's he put in my heart to do? It might be something very simple. It might be based in your home as parents or or as children or family members. It might be your job. It might be serving the church in a very, very simple way. It might be something much uh, bigger than that in terms of the scale of uh, activity. It doesn't really matter. The question is, what has he called you to do? And what are you doing about it? If you're not a believer yet in Jesus, as you see or hear this message, can I encourage you to take that first and vital step, which is to put your faith in Christ, Saviour and Lord, Messiah, Son of God, who can take away your sins and give you the Holy Spirit and give you a new life. If you are a believer, a disciple, I mean, I would encourage you to spend some moments after uh, listening to this, uh, praying and reflecting. And if there's anything you feel called to do, which hasn't yet happened, to make a decision that you're going to make yourself available for the particular calling of Jesus. That's what Peter and Andrew, James and John did on this occasion. They responded decisively, clearly. They said, yes to Jesus, we're going to serve you. There's nothing better than you or I uh, can do with our lives than to follow them and to do the things we're called to do. Thank you. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.